Greetings in the name of Christ. I invite your attention to the 51st Psalm for a message. 51st Psalm. And while you're turning there, I'd like to share a prayer request. Some of you are aware that I'm planning to be at Wommelsdorf this week for a week of meetings, and some of you ask about the, the, the dates. Originally, it was Wednesday through Sunday, and uh, since I was talking to someone there about my uh, being at a wedding on Saturday, they so graciously said, well, let's just take Saturday off. So we're going to start on Tuesday through Sunday. So I do appreciate your prayers as uh, I serve there with the Wummelsdorf congregation. There's a story told of a very gifted musician. I forget, I'm not even sure if it was a male or a female, so sounds like we need some... Testing, one, two. Are we on? Testing, one, two, testing. Or do I need to turn it? There we go. I heard something. So there was a story told of a very gifted musician. And I do not recall if it was uh, a male or a female, but he or she performed an incredible masterpiece singing and playing and after it was done someone said wow that was beautiful and the other person said it was but it would have been much more beautiful if the person would have been broken I haven't forgot that and sometimes we, are, we marvel at giftings. We marvel at what abilities a person can have or do. But I think we are all aware of the distaste of an unbroken person and even the damage of an unbroken person. And I think we're all aware of the beauty of brokenness. Some of you know what it's like to discipline a child. And if it's done correctly, you can have a disobedient, arrogant, obnoxious child just melt in your arms. And you see the beauty of brokenness. That's the title of the message this morning. The beauty of brokenness. I, had a, uh, I have a book by Howard Bean, and I know some of you have it as well. And it's a book, an excellent book of encouragement to ministers. And in the back of the book, he gives suggestions for sermons that should be preached every year. And there's 26. Oh, wow. And then there's... Uh, uh, two pages of sermons that should be preached every three, three to five years, is it? And uh, then there's a section, sermons that should be preached every 10 years. And well, this man must be an organized man. 
And I, I didn't total them all up, but I wonder if you have 10 years versus all, all he gives is sermon titles. But I pulled the book off of my shelf just for curiosity and just to check it, to, to see if the, if the, the message brokenness, where, where, it would, where he would put it. And he put it in the three, or every three to five years, you should preach a sermon on brokenness. And I know I preached a sermon on brokenness, and some of you that have very good memories may, may remember the sermon. And I look back on my history, or I have a, a, a paper with all, with all the sermon titles and the dates and so on. And to my uh, amazement, it was all but 10 years ago. So I thought, well, it is, it is uh, maybe seven years past time for another message on brokenness. And I share this message from my own journey. Sometimes you read a little bit that just, read a, a chapter or a, a, even a paragraph that really resonates with you. And I have this book by George MacDonald, maybe if some of you read it, by True, it's called True Discipleship. And then it says, includes two free ones in the back. So it's, it's, real, it's a real easy read. It's a... Uh, a long time ago, I think I got it back in the SMBI, when we, Joyce and I were at SMBI. But he, here's, here's the part that I'd like to read to you, and it's on the section of, Lord, break me. Andrew Murray wrote, Abide in Christ. 30 years after he wrote the book, he said, I would like you to know that a minister or a Christian author may lead, be often be led to speak more than he has experienced. And then he says, I had not then, when, when I wrote Abide in Christ, experienced all that I wrote of. And I cannot say I experienced it all perfectly now. And I, I don't know about you, but what, whatever parenting or teaching Sunday school or sharing God's word, that's often how I feel. And I think Paul kind of felt that way too when he says, I have not apprehended. I've not attained. I, I, I haven't arrived. But I press into that, the mark of the, of the high calling of, of Christ. So the subject of brokenness is a, is a difficult one. I, I will quickly say that he, he concludes his chapter by giving an account of... of uh, he heard a missionary once pray, and the missionary said, Lord, break me. And the author said that was a transforming moment for him when he heard somebody actually pray, Lord, break me. And I, that's a tough prayer. I'd love to do a raise of hands, but I won't. But I wonder if any of us have prayed that, Lord, break me. And I guess I'm going to pray that to the end of this message, I could pray, and you could pray with me. Lord, break me, because it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. But it's a journey. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. I want it. I need it. You do too. The beauty of brokenness. You're at Psalm 51. I'm going to read the psalm. Have mercy on me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. 
I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part that thou shalt make me to know wisdom, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of my, thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. If you're there, I want you all to join in with me in verse 17. Here's the crux. I think it's the climax of the psalm. Read it with me, just verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Praise the Lord. This morning, the subject is the beauty of brokenness. Verse 18 says, Do good in thy... Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. That is a, a powerful psalm. I don't know if you did any reading about... I remember hearing a... Are reading an article and also hearing the subject uh, taught of the difference between being broken and being wounded. And I still have not wrapped my mind around the subject. It's big. But in verse, uh, I'm sorry, in Proverbs, just to give you the contrast, in verse Proverbs, from a, from a biblical standpoint, you don't have to turn to it, but uh, you may if you wish, chapter 18 and verse 14, it says, chapter 18 and verse 14, it says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear it? And that same Hebrew word for the wounded spirit, you're probably familiar with the, with the proverb in uh, uh, 1722, where it says, a uh, uh, a merry heart is like medicine, something like that. Seven, maybe I should just turn to it. It's back a page. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit, that's the same Hebrew word as wounded uh, heart in verse, 
in chapter 18. It dries the bones. There's, a, there's an incredible difference between, between just being broken. Biblical brokenness, the beauty of brokenness, and being wounded. Maybe this would be the time to read uh, in my file. I said in my files somewhere I stuck an article, and I don't know, maybe you're more organized than I do. I looked through my files and I could not find it. I, some people do, the, do a, a filing system by subject, and I know if you go to SMBI, or at least when we were there, they had an incredible files of every subject you could think of, all the articles in the subject, and I couldn't find it in my uh, disorganized file. So now I tend to just, maybe, maybe it's online somewhere. And lo and behold, wounded or broken, it came right up. By, it's written by John Koblenz. Uh, I'm gonna, this is, this is John Koblenz uh, differing between a wounded spirit and a broken spirit, being broken and being wounded. He says that being wounded is just that you're hurting and the hurt has festered into unbearable attitudes and responses. A person with a wounded spirit lives in the inner misery that focuses regularly on his injury and he just can't get beyond the wound. And out of this comes the following characteristics. There are four. First of all, a very negative mindset. And then he has several sentences under that, and I'm not going to take the time to read it. Secondly, victim reasoning. Thirdly, grievance mannerisms. Four, blame tactics. This is what I want. This is the text. And it comes from, it comes from Psalm 51. There are six marks of brokenness. And they are number one. Did you ever wonder if you're broken? Maybe that'd be a good prayer right now. Lord, am I broken? Here's six marks from the text, from Psalm 51, that I believe are marks of brokenness. You be your own judge. I won't judge you. You don't judge. Yeah, you can judge me. Number one, acknowledgement of wrong. That's brokenness. It's all over Psalm 51. I'm just, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Secondly, contrition. A broken spirit that produces genuine sorrow. It's all over Psalm 51. Thirdly, humility. Self-will's shattered. There's no attempt to lift up self. Fourthly, a seeking after God. It's all over Psalm 51. It's almost like the psalmist oblivious of other people. This is so between him and God and how he has just seeking after him and his forgiveness and acknowledging he has no righteousness at all of his own to promote, but rather he seeks God to know it. Fifthly, teachability. He's done with his own life's answers. He's ready to turn to the Lord for help. He does not want his problem explained or justified. He just wants... He just wants help to change. And number six, unworthiness. A person who is broken does not demand. He asks. His focus is not on getting what he thinks he deserves because he knows that he's been spared from what he really deserves. 
He's grateful instead of complaining. He's tasted mercy. And he's done. He's done with demanding his rights. I don't know, that's written by John Koblenz, and he seemed to just penetrate an arrow right into me. Am I wounded, or am I a broken man? Brokenness is beautiful. David was a broken man. Uh, I'm not promoting books, but I, I would like to recommend this book. If you want to study the subject of brokenness, how many of you have read the tale of three kings? That's quite a few. Not enough. I don't endorse everything the author is about, but on this one, he nails brokenness in a story form that's all me. He goes through the life of David, no, first Saul, and he illustrates how Saul was so unbroken. And then he, the, the, the meat of the book is David and how he responded to all the trials in life with such brokenness. And the third king was Absalom. You know the story. Saul was a jealous man, hunting David like a dog. And David over and over chooses a path of brokenness. One time David had him in a cave and Saul was sleeping and he sneaked in the cave and he took the scissors, you know it, and he just snipped off a piece of Saul's robe and find him a few, chap few verses later. His heart smote him. I'm thinking, come on, David, take a little more than the robe, right? You, th this is brokenness. And his heart smote him because he said, how could I stretch my hand to the Lord's anointed? What a picture of brokenness. And then, you know the story about throwing spears at one after the other. That's Saul and David contrasted. Then he contrasts Absalom, his son, and himself. And you know Absalom. He was real cool. He was the cool guy. He stole the hearts of all of Israel by his craft and his cleverness and acted like he really cared about people. Got a little problem. Come and tell me, tell me, tell, tell me. I'll, I'll, you know him. David. And, and then you know the war. And finally Absalom dies. You know his death. And Israel wanted to rejoice. And Watch the broken man. Watch him. He gets alone and he just cries out, My son, my son, Absalom, my son. And he was rebuked for crying. I'm lifting up a broken man. David was a broken man. If anybody could write Psalm 51, verse 17, it's David. Brokenness. Edwards, in the, in the, is the preface of the first chapter, he says that God has a school. It's a sacred school of submission and brokenness. There's so few students. Everyone in the school must suffer pain. The sovereign creator chooses those who would hand out the pain. Very few enroll, very few graduate. Graduate. God has this school because he doesn't have many broken men. He has many men, many, many gifted men, many awesome men, but very, very few broken men. 
I'm quoting, paraphrasing and quoting. Am I broken? Are you broken? God needs broken men. God has so many men. God has so many women. How many broken ones does he have? How many of us are really truly broken before him? We're all, in a sense, wounded and injured. And we all need to find healing for our wounds. Look, I'll bet every one of us could produce a scar, right? All of us could produce some kind of scar. That scar is there. I mean, I have a nasty scar right here. I have a couple scars on my, on my face from when I fell. And I think that's, uh, that's so when I look in the mirror, God can remind me of, of how he protected me from falling from a stepladder and when so many things could have happened. But you know, those... And by the way, a few days after that fall, and some of you remember, it's just prior to our flying to Grenada for a, about two months, I, I could hardly move. Uh, Brother Lester remembers taking us to the airport. Poor miserable wretch I was. Probably wanted to get me in a wheelchair. I, w- I remember getting to Grenada. I, mem- I remember specifically shaking, shaking someone's hand. Oh, it just hurt so bad. It just, it just killed. They didn't do a thing to me. But I was, I needed, I needed healing. I needed, I was in pain. Sometimes scars remind us of our injury and it it allows us to be broken by the injury. A horse that is, that is broken is so, uh, such a blessing. I I don't do horses and have horses, but I've seen a little bit of unbroken horses. I grew up on a farm and I know what an unbroken heifer is, okay? Did you ever try to lead an unbroken heifer? They can dig in with all fours and it is almost impossible for a teenage guy to move a two-day-old or a couple-days-old heifer. I'm talking about the beauty of brokenness. To be broken is to yield ourselves to the command of a master. To be broken is not to initiate our own commands. To be broken is to take up the cross and follow Jesus. The cross is where we die. Dying's hard. Paul says, I die daily. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about being broken. It's a lifestyle. Dying means being broken so we can really live. To prevent healing and retain the wound and injury is unbrokenness. There's so many of us that I need to be broken. Just in preparing this message, I look a Do you ever take a little survey of the last 20 years of your life? Did even an act of ministry kind of bother you? I don't know if you can relate with me, but there are some things I've done in ministry. There's some things I said in ministry that I don't think it represented brokenness. 
I'm talking about a school that's hard. Are you broken? Am I broken? Many of us get defensive. You know, if I'm unbroken, trust me, I'm dangerous. And so are you. Now I'm borrowing Frank Reed. He says, hurt people hurt people. He says, wounded men throw spears. Or they hide, or they perform. Broken men don't throw spears. Broken men don't hide. Broken men don't perform. God allows us to be injured, to, be, to break us, so we can become useful for his kingdom. When I resist being broken... I'll live and act out of injury. The sacrifices of God are a wounded spirit and a broken and a contrite heart thou will not despise. Brothers, sisters, Jesus will always, always break you. Jesus will always, always break me. You want to you wanna ask if I'm following Jesus? You, you just, you, you look at brokenness. Jesus said, thank you, Lester and Marion, for allowing me to borrow this. Actually, I, st- I prepared a message to youth a couple weeks ago, and I'd love to share it sometime here on uh, the, it is good that, that youth bear the yoke. No, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Sometime, some sweet day, I'd like to bring that here when the, all the youth are here. You, Jesus said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me and my yoke is easy my burden is light and you will find rest to your souls Jesus the point is Jesus will always break you he invites you to the yoke he says take take Jesus will not come and slam it on you like some uh, farmers probably need to do to oxen. Picture with me an oxen. Here comes the farmer. You're kidding. He got the yoke. I know what my day's like. No self-will left. And who in, you mean that ox all day long? No self-will but it's easy. It's light. And this is a paradox and an irony. You will find rest to your soul. Jesus will always break you. Always. How many of you want to follow Jesus? Do I want to follow? Jesus and brokenness are synonymous. There's another verse in Matthew 21, it says, whoever will fall on this stone, it's another beautiful word picture, will be broken. And it's like Jesus, and it's in reference to the cornerstone that the builders came and they found it, they threw it away, they didn't want it. And then God came and took that throwaway stone and set it right here, and it's a cornerstone. And then Jesus said, whoever will come to me, come to this stone, will be broken. So you, you want brokenness, you just come to Jesus. 
and you come to Jesus and you fall on him and it's a given you're going to be broken. And the rest of the verse is not as pretty. The next of the verse says, but whomsoever this same rock will fall on. So it gives me the picture is you got two choices. You come and fall on it or it'll fall on you. And if that rock falls on you, it says you will be ground to powder. I like the first picture better. Come to Jesus and fall on Jesus and be broken. I need it. You need it. Now what I'm going to do is echo about eight points. And all I'm going to do is probably give you the point that 10 years ago I tried to put about five minutes on every point. The first point Brokenness brings fragrance. And I wish I had an alabaster, unless we're married, you got an alabaster box of ointment? <laughs> I'd like to break the flask. I'd love to just take an alabaster box with, or, or a flask that has a neck and break it. And then the Bible says the, the fragrance filled the whole room. We have... In our earthen vessels, a treasure. But there's only one way that that fragrance of the treasure is going to be released and given a beautiful aroma to all those who are around us, and it's brokenness. And I wonder how many of us would just be willing to allow our, our, our shell, if you will, because inside of us, is, a, is in these earthen vessels, is a treasure. But the only way it's going to be released and be a blessing to others is through the, through the beauty of brokenness. Brokenness brings value. You know, if I had dropped the glass, shattered, you'd probably throw it away. It's so different with this kind of brokenness. There's no va- I mean, you look at a horse. What value is a stubborn old kicking horse? I guess maybe some people could be very uh, qualified to break that uh, horse in its older age, but the, the, the value of, broke, of a broken person, there's a song that says, oh God who uses broken things, broken clouds give sweet rain, he gives us bread from broken grain, and we can't understand how broken things become a blessing in your hand. Thirdly, so brokenness brings fragrance, brokenness brings value, brokenness brings the presence of God, and I'll just simply read this verse. It says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such of a contrite spirit. Does God ever feel distant? He does to all of us. Remember, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. I, I think it's safe, but dangerous to pray, Lord, break me. Break me, Lord. God will never despise brokenness, and I don't think man will either. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Brokenness brings the power of God. God gives grace to the humble. I think that's power. That's dunamis. That's amazing power to the humble man but he resists the proud. Fifthly, brokenness is not passive. Sometimes we think, 
just a real passive. One of my favorite scriptures is in Revelation where, where uh, John has said, look, look at the lion. And I looked. You know what he saw? He saw a lamb. Sometimes broken men know when to get, when to use the, the nature of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Brokenness is not passive. Walk back with me to Labrie Bible School one day, and a woman comes into the Bible school swearing and cursing and saying things that no adult should even hear, let alone a classroom of children. And I still to this day don't know what got in me, or uh, th at that time I was serving with some of you know, Jay Cruz, and we basically went up to her face, in her face, and said, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. And that's kind of how we said it. I, I, I like to think that that was, very, that was a model of brokenness. There was nothing, no self-protecting for me or anybody, uh, teachers, but I tell you what, there was a holy indignation for the enemy protruding into God's turf. Brokenness is not passive. But I don't even know if I can balance this statement, but I'll try. When it's against you and when it's against me, then it's time to be the lamb. That's brokenness. That's what David did. Lord, help me. Brokenness edifies. Brokenness always is, is concerned about lifting people up and actually concerned about other people's convictions. Unbroken people are arrogantly, arrogantly disregarding other people and their standards and their conviction. That's unbrokenness. Paul actually said, we talked about this in Sunday school the other week, how Paul was so concerned that he, that for the sake of the gospel, he says, I please all men in all things. I don't seek my own. He says, all things are lawful for, for me, but all things don't edify. Oh. That means a, a broken man will be very, very concerned about, a bro about other people. A broken man won't like Paul. Could you imagine Paul going to minister to the Jews? And he whips out his pork. And, and really, he said, all things are lawful, but do you think he would have whipped out his pork and slapped it on the table and said, have a chop? <laughs> what does that look like for me today? What does it look like for you today? I'm talking about brokenness. Am I broken? Are you broken? Lord, break us. Brokenness brings peace. Even in the midst of a difficult time, you're like a child, even after a, a discipline session, there's peace. I'd love to go back to the cross and just talk about the peace that we have find at the cross.
the peace of God. Brokenness comes through pain. I'm not sure there's another way to be broken. I don't. Walk with me down to the potter's house in Jeremiah. Remember? Jeremiah walked in there and he saw the potter at work and he was on, he's working on the wheel. And he had something for him, then he took it and he just crushed it to pieces. Did you ever feel like that? And he said, I'm going to make it again. And that was a picture of what was going to happen to Israel, but I think that's a perfect picture of brokenness in our lives. And I wonder if you, I wonder if I would be how I act on the wheel. My point is, brokenness comes through pain. I would love to walk through the life of Moses, the life of Jonah, the life of Jacob, the life of David. We talked about David, the life of Isaiah, the life of Peter, and ultimately Jesus. And we could find such beautiful pictures of brokenness in every one of them. I'm going to take a minute to tell you my favorite one. My favorite, my favorite one is Jacob. Someday I'm going to preach a message on Jacob. Actually, I preached through Genesis and I stopped after Abraham and I'm not sure why. That was a long time ago, but maybe I'll pick up the story of, of uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph someday. Jacob, at his birth, what was he doing? He was grabbing his brother's heel. Get that. What in the world is that in the scripture for? A little bit later in life, he grabbed his, the birthright with a, with, over a, a bowl of soup. And then he put a little bit of fur with the help of his mom on his shoulders and said, I'm going to get the blessing too. So he's grabbing his brother's heel. He got the birthright. He got the blessing. And very soon the man's running. Unbroken people need to run. Think about it through your life. Unbroken people run and they run and they run. And he ran. And he found a man. God smiled. And God said, I got a man that'll do him a lot of good. And he worked seven years for a wife. And he got tricked. And then he worked another seven years for the wife he wanted. And you know the story there. It just didn't work out. It seems to me that two unbroken men just are... Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, but I'm not sure what happened in the Jacob and Laban story. So he one day he says, hey, let's pack up and run again. So he packed up and he grabbed... See, this is a life of demanding. This is a life of grabbing. This is a life of me. Get it for me. And I, we could have stopped at Bethel on his first run. Jake, oh, Genesis 28, very interesting story. But in that story, Jacob, it's, it's incredible. But Jacob really doesn't impress me because he basically says to God, hey, if you meet me, if you protect me, if you feed me, if you clothe me, if you bring me back, and serve, uh, then I'll serve you and I'll give you a tithe. That's Jacob at Bethel. 
He meets Laban, and a little bit later, after the cattle schemes and the stolen images, he's on the run again. So this unbroken man ran, and he met something, and he ran again. And you know what happened? On his way back, he got word that his brother's on his way this way. And that was a problem. He ran, he ran, and the problem's coming for him. And then we have the beautiful Genesis 32, where he wrestled with God all night. And the Bible says, the Bible says that in that wrestling match, finally, God came down and touched him. And he, I'm not sure what it all looked like, but he, from that moment, Jacob had to limp. And he said, the Bible says the sun rose upon Jacob as he halted away. The sun was shining on a broken man. I love the story of Jacob and brokenness. But it was a hard, it was a hard journey. And, and then in Hebrews 11, it says that, that Jacob, after all the beautiful uh, credentials of the men of the heroes of faith, in Hebrews 11, it comes to Jacob and it says, he died leaning upon his staff. And I think that was a monument of brokenness, that he couldn't lean on his own whatever, and he leaned upon his staff. I love the story of Jacob. I think I'm going to close with one more article that I found. And I'm going to I'm going to read it, I'm going to close the service, and I'm going to give an invitation. The invitation will look like this. If you're here this morning and you just want to say, there's something in my heart, maybe it's from this list, that I need you, God. And, and you just want to tell God about it, but you, there's something within you that would like to make a public stake. Then you just stand to your feet while we either pray or sing a song. And, and maybe, you're, maybe some of us are here this morning that would just feel better talking with somebody. And then you can come forward and somebody will be right by your side. And maybe we can just deal with it on our seats, and that's totally okay. This is no pressure at all. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to give an invitation. Proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own needs. Proud people have a critical, fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's faults with a microscope, but their own with a telescope. Broken people are compassionate. They can forgive much because they know how much they've been forgiven. Proud people are self-righteous. They look down on others. Broken people esteem all others better than themselves. Proud people have an independent, self-sufficient spirit. Broken people have a dependent spirit. They recognize their own needs. I'm sorry, they recognize their need for others. Proud people have to prove that they are right. Broken people are willing to yield to the right to be right. Proud people claim their rights. They have a demanding spirit. Broken people yield to their rights. They have a meek spirit. Proud people are self-protective of their time, their rights, and their reputation. 
Broken people are self-denying. Proud people desire to be served. Broken people are motivated to serve others. Proud people desire to be a success. Broken people are motivated to be faithful and to make others a success. Proud people desire self-advancement. Broken people desire to promote others. Proud people have a drive to be recognized and appreciated. Broken people have a sense of their own unworthiness. They are thrilled that God would use them all. Proud people are wounded when others are promoted and they are overlooked. Broken people are eager for others to get the credit. They rejoice when others are lifted up. Proud people have a subconscious feeling. The ministry, the church, is privileged to have me and my gifts. They think of what they can do for God. Broken people's attitude is, I don't deserve any part in any ministry. But they know that they have nothing to offer God except the life of Jesus flowing through their broken lives. Proud people feel confident in how much they know. Broken people are humbled by how much they have to learn. Proud people are self-conscious. Broken people are not concerned with self at all. Proud people keep others at arm length. Broken people are willing to risk getting close and to take the risk of loving intimately. Proud people are quick to blame others. Broken people accept responsibilities and can see when they are wrong in a situation. Proud people are unapproachable, defensive when criticized. Broken people receive criticism with humility and an open spirit. Proud people are concerned with being respected and what others think. They work to protect their own image and reputation. Broken people are concerned with being real and what matters to them is not what others think, but what God knows. And they're willing to even die for their own reputation. Proud people find it difficult to share their spiritual needs. Broken people are very willing to be honest and transparent. Proud people want to make sure nobody founds out, finds out. Broken people don't care who knows or who finds out. Proud people have a hard time saying, I was wrong, please forgive me. Broken people quickly admit failure and they seek forgiveness when necessary. Proud people tend to deal in general generalities when confessing sin. Broken people are able to acknowledge specifics. Proud people are concerned with the consequences of their sin. Broken people are grieved over the cause and the root. Proud people are remorseful over their sin. Sorry that they got caught or found out. Broken people are truly, genuinely repentant over sin and they forsake it all. Proud people wait for others to come to them and ask for forgiveness when there's a misunderstanding or conflict. Broken people are quick to take initiative when reconciliation is needed. They race to the cross. Proud people compare themselves with others and, have a, and feel worthy of honor. Broken people compare themselves only to the holiness of God. Proud people are blind to their true heart condition. Broken people walk in light. Proud people don't think they have anything to repent of. Broken people realize that they have a continual heart attitude of repentance they need. Proud people don't think they need revival, but they're sure that everyone else does. Proud people don't, 
I'm sorry, broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God and for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. That list is not original with me. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for Jesus, the perfect picture of brokenness and the great healer for all our brokenness. And we come to you, Jesus. We want your yoke. We want you to break us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think this message is probably harder than me, than on any of you. It's a hard message to preach. Let's sing one verse, invitational song, and if, if God pressed something a specific in your heart that you would like to pray with somebody, just come forward, and somebody will be right there, you can pray. If you're here this morning and God spoke and you just want that spiritual steak, stand to your feet, you can sit right back down. And if you are just, you just want to deal with your own sense of brokenness just between you and God, that's totally okay too. Just an opportunity to respond. What, what, what for song should we sing? Where's our song leader? Philip? Have thine own way. One verse, very prayerfully. You, let's do business with God in relation to our brokenness. Let's sing. I'm not going to prolong the invitation. I pr I, my prayer is that all of us will leave with a burning prayer. Lord, break me. Let's all stand for a closing and dismissal prayer.